0: So Daniel I told you how when we were talking about the Batman I was disappointed that Riddler was not named Edward Nigma and it was just Edward Nashton which is definitely the new way to call him remember how I told you that I do remember that yeah I never knew I would also be disappointed that two children were not named not my child and not my <laughs> lover um <laughs>
1: I had a thought. I was like <laughs> you this did. movie Better End, when he has a bunch of kids and they all have like a terrible names <laughs> that don't make even make sense of the context of this particular story. But I was I she's not named Gomer. That got me the whole time. <laughs> and there's a whole thing about her real name, and I was like waiting for it the whole time. I was like Gomer. My name's not Angel. It's Gomer. Gomer <laughs> like, would have been great. It's like- or she could be Abigail Gomer or something, because of the naming convention. Mention of Michael Hosea, which they wisely only said once.
0: Oh, like, it's so I, funny! It's so yeah, funny. But- uh, so i I wanted to de- describe this film in a particularly strange way, and we'll, of course, you know, explain "Redeeming Love" in a minute or two. But like, uh, I work retail. I love it. It's great. It's because I'm a people person. I like to communicate with strangers. Uh, I feel like I'm the exact opposite of Daniel to that. I like people Daniel doesn't so I like people Ah, I like people Um, in doses I, uh, I find if people are made in the image of God, then the more I'm around people, the more I'm around the image of God. And I think that's really wonderful. Uh, I guess my theology is in practice is better than yours, Daniel. Um, it's a weird thing to say. Christian <laughs> <broadcast>. <laughs> Yeah. The second you turn theology and Christianity into competition, your theology immediately erodes <laughs> because it's not about competition. You can't compete in sanctification. That's silly. Um, but I work retail and I love uh, I love the environment. But every now and then you have a customer who comes in and they're just skeevy and weird and like really awkward. And I'm in a man- management position, so when I see that one of my employees, a specifically female ones, are uh, on the clock, sometimes these customers come in and it is important for me to be aware what's going on. So... Uh, I saw that this older man, big guy, twice my size, not in terms of muscle, uh, like, or in in terms of muscle, not in terms of fat. He was a big, intimidating guy. And he's got a loud voice. He's super boisterous. And he's talking to this, uh, probably the youngest looking employee at my job. And he's asking for help, looking for this and that, whatever. And I'm just watching because I could tell, like, all right, I'm sure she's very uncomfortable. But, I know she's good at sales, so she'll be able to coordinate out of this uncomfortable situation and probably make some extra money out of it. So, uh, But that doesn't happen. And then the guy looks at me and goes, are you watching her? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm her boss, so I just want to make sure she's doing okay. Um, And then I'm like doing another job, and he leans in and whispers to her, I think he likes you, which immediately makes me go, "Uh, that's not that's not good. And of course I could see that she was very uncomfortable. So I'm watching his eyes. Cause I want to make sure he's not looking in the wrong way. Um, I then go do some other stuff. He keeps kind of talking to her and getting close to her. And so I was about to like, break it up, just be like, Hey, can you do something else for me? And then try and pull that person out of the situation so that, uh, I can take over the interaction at some point though, my boss shows up too. And, Starts standing near this coworker to make sure that they're safe. Um, and then at some point as this guy buys what he's buying, which was only one item. So it was a total waste of time in terms of sales. Uh, he then keeps talking, asking questions and then goes, am I making you guys uncomfortable? And I think I I didn't hear how my coworkers responded. I know if I was there, I would have probably just said, yeah, I'm pretty uncomfortable, but whatever. Like I could still sell to you. Like it doesn't matter. I can still help you. Uh, he leaves. So why do I bring this up? Because that's what redeeming love felt like to me, where there are things I like about the thing that I'm participating in. Like there are a couple scenes that like delude me into thinking that this movie was comfortable, um, mostly in the middle of the film, but there, then the movie like does what it does, which is the equivalent of this customer talking and reminds me of what makes me so uncomfortable about it. And it just kept happening and happening, but it almost felt self aware of the fact that it was making me uncomfortable. Like the guy going, Am I making you uncomfortable? as if that's a power play, or whispering to a co worker, He likes you, even though they know I'm married. And uh, it's also just not good <laughs> for there to be any implication that a manager has any feelings for a co worker. Um, th- this movie felt like it was like David white winking at me, Going, Am I making you uncomfortable? This is a real movie. Like, this is a real movie. Uh, he's a producer, not director, but still uh and it's just awkward and it's awkward for like 60 like a whole hour uh this movie's two hours and 14 minutes um and then it levels out but then it would just like keep punching you in the arm and going i'm awkward and that's my experience with this movie i even like i watched it for like 40 minutes on my phone while doing like chores around the house because I am the guy who when it's a new year since 2022, I just want to watch 2022 movies and start building up my rank list for this year. So when I saw this was put on Peacock, I was like, hey, D- Daniel told me about this one because it's got a weird, <laughs> well, it's just weird, which we'll definitely get into the specifics of it. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch that because <laughs> why not? It's 2022. I need to populate this rank list. And I just like, it was just the strangest thing. Um, and then at some point I was like, well, I got to watch this for the podcast and stop playing Batman games. Cause I've been playing the Arkham games. And it, it was really hard to peel myself away from that. It was like eight thirty last night. And I'm like, I have to finish this movie for the recording today. Um, and I'm like, cat, you want to watch this movie with me? And, uh, Daniel, I just want you to guess at what point, uh, first off, I'm going to say, I don't care about spoilers talking about this movie. Do you like, does this matter? Uh, we're only seven question. minutes in.
1: Um, that's a great question because it's, there's, I don't know, spoilers for this movie. is a little weird because the plot is so
0: um, transgressive. And I think everyone would well, know the plot line and, and its transgression
1: before going in. I would in. say threadbare because well, that the basic beats of the story are broadly the strokes of, of the story of Hosea and Gomer. And it's also oh, based on a We based are on a talking book. very broad. Um, we
0: are talking very bird's eye.
1: Based on a relatively popular book so i mean we i we could still have a spoiler section quote unquote but i mean like well guess- then we'll call
0: this backstory so it's not spoiler yeah. um but i had i had stopped moving the watching the movie about 38 minutes in when i was doing chores that was about two weeks ago so last night when i pressed play the very first scene i get is a character holding a gun to his head and killing himself, <laughs> oh, and I I just cackled and go, Catherine, you gotta come see. <laughs> She's like, what? And I like rewound it. <laughs> I was like, this is this is what a this is what it's like having a movie podcast <laughs> where you have to talk right. about some movie during some week to fill the week because that's kind of what this is right now. We didn't really know what to do, so we were like, ah, let's do that one movie. Maybe we'll get clicks on it. And the first thing I see is a character like sniffling, like snot pouring from his nose, and he's just like, <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> it was "So funny!" Oh my gosh! And Cat's like, well, "I gotta watch this!" So she sits down next to me, and <laughs> it's uh, so that's when I press play and I kept watching. That uh, do I sound like a madman for calculating a little <laughs> bit, especially <laughs> out of
1: context? <laughs> That's what in makes it in context, it is. It's
0: funnier in it's, context. In, in context, <laughs> it's funnier because of the editing and the choicing. Uh,
1: just. It was. It was so. This that's like, it's just so strange. <laughs> I didn't find it funny because I was just so. It was taking me a sec. It was taking a sec for everything to settle in, um, and it kind of in microcosm is. I think one of the problems with the movie. I don't think I had as. I was kind of more. Overall, my reaction to the movie was just mixed across the board about everything because it felt like this really uncomfortable marriage of uh, the sacred and secular in a way that I don't know if it pays off because it, it felt like the movie was really trying to have his cake and eat it too in regards to being a quote unquote faith-based film, but also wanted to just be like a big sweeping romantic drama. And I really don't think it pulls that off. While also trying to be like, kind of like a lurid, like thing. It's 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 such a strange, strange movie for so many reasons. Which yes, it really is. Uh, I I wasn't as I think you you were texting me periodically, watching it. Like this movie's crazy. This movie's crazy, and also from what I heard from other people, I think I expected something a little more intense based on what everyone's describing and i think i was a little i was so because of that i wasn't as shocked by how i wouldn't go so far as to say it's transgressive but it parts of it are borderline dare i say exploitive um yes just because of and i think here we need to have a little side tangent about like based on movies that we have mentioned in passing or based on things we've recommended like neither you and i are not prudes i you definitely a little more sensitive towards certain subject matter than i am but we've seen our fair share of everything in every particular genre i have watched and you have
0: watched the neon demon this is like (laughs) reverse neon demon where instead of having the last 20 minutes be your most transgressive content you've ever seen this movie it's like the first 40 minutes it's like just one that is the most thing. surprising
1: thing to me it's the first like hour of this movie is like weirdly violence against women which is never like it is weird yeah, how that's but... always
0: objectively more uncomfortable than violence against men but like Catherine was just like does the writer hate this character
1: <laughs> because they're just one terrible well, thing I, after
0: another <laughs> i do have
1: a comment about that which i'll get into uh... in a second but like but it's also just the type of violence because if this was a movie like the opening of the movie was abigail is like a pit fighter <laughs> or something which is like what we see with guys that's there's a that's level dope. of balance and they'd be <laughs> sick but it but like in theory she'd also be fighting other women and so there's like a balance to that or like a guy who's on a battlefield versus this movie she's just getting like hit and dunked in a tank and like all this like weird stuff that like she is just clearly a victim of what's happening to her which is just uncomfortable i mean that's the intention but it is uncomfortable to watch but um but like content needs a context and so in the context of a like horror film or a movie that is by being transgressive this could be transgressive there's certain things that just go down easier and in the context of both a faith-based movie and also a movie that is about love specifically redemptive love the movie does seem to have a weird fixation for half its running time of like treating this our main character very poorly, which you could argue is a little of accuracy, because I mean that's what the, abuse, the abusive sex trade is like. But it doesn't seem to serve kind of the overall purpose of the story trying to tell. Because you could very easily get the point across doing something else, which and I save think, yourself thirty minutes of your runtime. Holy, which cow. is this movie's over two hours long which I did not realize when I sat down to start watching it. Cause I assumed this to be like a 90 minute film because it's a faith based movie based on three chapters of a minor prophet with one of the chapters being like eight verses. So, and, and half of it like, is the names of their children and yeah. prophecies about Israel, even within that. So there's a lot you can fill in the blanks with. So I think at this point it's important to sort of get into a little bit about the actual kind of plot line. Well, is this the backstory. For those who are not aware, this is written, this is based on a book written by Francine Rivers, who was a former romance novelist. She wrote, you know, the, uh, those paperback novels that you see at the checkout at the grocery store or whatever. And then she got saved. And then from there, she wrote um, more Christian literature. And so, specifically, Redeeming Love is a book she wrote based on the story of Hosea, which she wrote partially as an allegory for her own conversion experience where she was writing about her past with what she felt was sordid material that she was now ashamed of, and this was part of her reflection of how God rescued her. And she also wrote the... As best I can tell, she wrote the first draft of the screenplay, and a bunch of faith-based she does companies... Have,
0: yeah, she does have a screenplay credit.
1: Yeah. Um, and a bunch of faith-based companies got the production rights, but then um, everything the movie was given into the hands of one dj caruso who also rewrote her screenplay now for those who do not know dj caruso if you quickly glance at reviews of the film which are not positive from a critical standpoint which i wasn't even aware of till yesterday because i realized like hey i don't even know who wrote i don't know how people feel about this movie letterbox
0: has some very interesting thoughts
1: but what where did you see critic where did you see reviews? Um, I tried not to read reviews about it because I, I, I was trying my best to get this movie as fresh as possible because for those uh, who, of
0: course, of course,
1: for those who are not aware, my, I did not know about this book because it's just not my genre, but I saw a trailer for this movie before I saw the movie Dune. And if for anyone who's seen the trailer knows that the trailer, there is no indication in any form that this is a faith based Christian film, let alone a movie based on the story of Hosea. However, There's just something about Christian films where you can just tell. I don't know. I just, I was sitting there and I was watching and I was seeing, (laughs) waiting for the movie Dune to play and the trailer of this movie plays. And I turn to my friend and I I, I tell him, I think that was a trailer for a sexy Christian movie. And he's like, What? (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, I think that's supposed to be a Christian film. And from there, I learned about this. So, but every review, if you look at the blurbs, they'll mention DJ Caruso who directed triple X three, the return of Sandra cage, which is, <laughs> is true. He directed the insane triple X three, which is almost cross the line into being one of those trashy action movies. I can recommend because it's so ridiculous. However, that's not indicative of what the type of movies he makes. If you actually look at his filmography, he directed the 2007 disturbia remake, which is weirdly well-seen popular film. He directed the movie Eagle eye and perhaps most, Importantly, he directed the infamous 2014 film, The Disappointments Room, which you probably haven't seen, but you may know from its appearances on multiple bad movie podcasts and YouTube shows. And those are kind of lurid, sultry, uh, grimy um, thriller films. That's what he does. That's like his bread and butter. And and this year he also had a Daily Wire movie called Shut In. Uh, Oh, he did shot in him. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Wow. What a weird career. (laughs) I don't understand this person's career at all because he's done like those are big movies. Like these are like triple X three was like a massive co-production of an American and Chinese company. It was big worldwide like hit. Um, But so I don't know why why he's doing these suddenly. And I do not know where his heart lies. I don't know if he knows the Lord, but his bread and butter is definitely Similar material, but from an extremely different viewpoint from those who are perhaps working behind the scenes. And this really feels like a not 100% successful marriage of the sacred and secular, where all the people on set, as best I know, are not believers. DJ Caruso is either not a believer, or so much of his experience is with a different type of film. And also, it is worth noting, he, as a man, He understands the male gaze a lot better than the female gaze. Not to get in that perspective, but like the way he shoots in films, particularly prostitutes, isn't necessarily the most edifying thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think this weird mixture of elements is what creates a movie that looks good. This was shot in South Africa. This is not green screen. It looks okay. Yeah. Especially if you are used to a lot of superhero films, which is a big topic on Twitter right now. Is just how much of like Spider-Man No Way Home was shot with green screen, where even basic things like buildings and streets are green screened in. Yes, this certainly stands out. All of the acting, with one specific exception, is really good. Like there are some actor actors show up. Um, the woman who plays the Duchess, you may if she sounds, looks familiar, that's Famke Jansen, who was gene gray and all the x-men movies logan marshall green upgrade himself shows up for about 20 minutes um abigail cohen continues our streak of reviewing movies with people who are in sabrina the chilling Adventures of sabrina uh she and she's currently in that winx club show on netflix she's quite good given the material she's given jamie Lee
0: O'Donnell's from dairy girls yes
1: (laughs) she shows up for like a few scenes as yes comedy person uh with her wonderful accent and So there's a lot of talent here. I just don't know if they necessarily match the material, Uh, which at this point, do you want me to introduce the basic plot? (sighs) You can give it a try. (laughs) You can give it a try.
0: (laughs) Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to- to... expand Cinematic Doctrine, you know this already. Right, 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 yeah, I forgot, I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right. Each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later.
1: So, for for those of you who have not read the book of Hosea... uh...
0: (laughs) I I do not even... I'm just gonna say it. I don't think comparisons to Hosea make any sense, even in terms of inspiration i uh, i don't even like it uh <laughs> I, will,
1: I will i will lightly disagree for reasons that we will i'm sure get into as we go through the movie because the i will say like yeah it deviates quite a bit from the quote-unquote plot of the book of hosea but that is part of my what is so bizarre about the movie to me oh, which is I agree. that i agree it's, the the plot of hosea the sacred scripture is <laughs> god tells hosea to marry and I'll read from the NASB because the King James uh, uses even harsher language. Um, but Lord spoke to him, go take to, uh, to yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry for land commits flagrant harlotry forsaking the Lord. I believe the King James says like whoredom.
0: I think, is yeah, the word
1: he uses. I've heard but-
0: uh, interpretations of, of two sides, one that he specifically marries someone who already is a prostitute or that the implication is you're going to marry someone who is a prostitute and you don't necessarily know it either way. It doesn't necessarily change the text in in my opinion, in terms of what is the purpose of the the narrative. But uh, in this, they definitely go full swing,
1: which is, (laughs) well, yeah, I think it's very
0: interesting. I think, (laughs) yeah, I
1: think conventional interpretation is he marries a uh, prostitute Mm -hmm. and then she is unfaithful, but, and then, um, you know, she goes back to Hosea and it's a whole th- it is representative of Israel's relationship to the Lord and how they're unfaithful to him, but God is still faithful to them right. and so on and so forth. And there's not much story there, but it has become – and this is not unique to redeeming love. The, Hosea and Gomer has become a very popular uh, subject of reinterpretations. There is uh, – uh, the head of the um, music department at my Bible college wrote a play based on the story of Hosea. Uh, I've met multiple people who, for them, this particular uh, part of scripture really speaks to them because of the way that they faltered and struggled and so forth. So it has become a popular focal point for people to do art uh, as far as based on scripture. And I have not read Redeeming Love. I do not know how faithful to the book it is. I've heard universally people who have seen and read, so who are familiar with both, will say the book is much better. Uh, I mean, that's every single movie based on a book <laughs> but uh redeeming love is yeah. takes a jose and transplants it to the gold rush uh we are we see two characters we see abigail cohen uh playing a character named angel and she is the child of a of an adulterous relationship whose father is just <laughs> the worst person in the world and openly talks about how much he he hates her daughter, his daughter, and doesn't care for her, uh, which begins her belief that uh, love is not real, and so on and so forth. Once her mother dies, who is, appears to be a somewhat faithful woman, uh, he sells her into prostitution, and where he then immediately gets horribly murdered in front of her. Um, and then, as part of her, she becomes a prostitute. And then, wait, for- who got murdered in front of her? The dad. Was that her dad? No, because it? it's, no, 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 it's not her dad. It's some other guy. Sorry. It's just some it's just
0: some other guy. Yeah. Because
1: it's... and that's important because her dad right. does show up later. Uh, important uh, <laughs> thing, which I'll I think we'll save uh... that bit. Um, and so she is a the most popular prostitute in all the land. Uh, all of the other prostitutes talk about how she's the best prostitute. And uh, however while this is happening. Uh, Tom Lewis, who has no other credits on Wikipedia, on IMDb, he was a voice in an Assassin's Creed game, and he made a few appearances in some obscure television shows, but for all intents and purposes, this is his big acting debut. Yeah, He plays Michael Hosea, who uh supposed to be hosea for those who didn't pick that up and he is just a great guy and that is his character for the rest of the movie boy yes. is he a great uh guy he is on a farm he is doing a matthew McConaughey impression he prays the lord asking that he provides her a uh, wife and of course upon seeing angel while in town he says that's the woman for me and he begins to try and woo her by showing up and saying we should get married and she says no, and eventually her she changes her mind after getting viciously beaten and uh from there, she says she ain't much for wife material and uh then she runs off with Logan Marshall Green at one point and goes back into prostitution, then she leaves again, then they have a nice life, and then she <laughs> leaves again and which at that point, the movie does provide what I think is one of the one the only interesting story twists that they could. And then the movie wraps up where she re- returns to Hosea, who has been waiting for her to return this whole time, and they're married. And if that doesn't sound like much plot, uh, that's because it really isn't. However, this takes over two hours to do. Oh, man. it's And most of that in the interim, in theory, uh, would be character development where you see them fall in love and learn to cherish and care for one another. However, weirdly, no one really gets a character of any kind everyone just kind of serves the purpose within the story like michael hosea is just a, the perfect man he is just a perfect human being for all into, for most part uh occasionally he gets upset he punches logan marshall green he says something bad about abigail he has a short 15 second extremely awkward action scene where he rescues her from a brothel. Since I since
0: I have been doing nothing but playing the Batman games when he does all that stuff, He's I'm like, ah, y, press, y, y. Press, y. <laughs> press
1: Y and B and you can do
0: the instant takedown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if he'd done the, the arm breaking thing, I'd have been sick.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. It's like the first fight scene in the Watchmen movie where it just comes out of nowhere and like Owl Man just splits people's arms open.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> he should have done the thing where he throws a guy through a window and, yeah. <laughs> and then the, the smiley faces on the ground. Um, um yeah, no one gets much to do because they're they simultaneously they're serving the purpose of just playing out the beats of the story, but also they're not really important as people, they're more important as representatives in an allegory. However, that might work in a more like artistic film. Um, yeah, in a like slow Terrence Maliki, every it's about the mood and Man, vibe I was thinking of, of a hidden life every now and then, but even that
0: has deeper characters.
1: Yeah, like If if there was like shots of her walking through a field as someone monologues scripture over to something, that might be really neat. But this is also supposed to play out like almost like a lifetime movie where the drama of can these two people coexist? Can they fall in love? But that all kind of just happens without any struggle of any kind, except for the parts where she runs away. And so it just it's this uncomfortable mixture of elements that for me never quite comes together. There's a handful of things that work by virtue of the source material is you cannot fully divorce it from what it's, what these characters are supposed to represent. It is almost impossible. So at the end of the film spoilers, or she returns to Hosea and it's clear that he's been waiting for her the whole time and he still loves her after all of these things and how he never remarried because God is faithful. That is, that's nice, but it's also not the movie. Didn't do that. Right. That is, they didn't write the Bible. They didn't write the book of Hosea right. that already exists. And while I can see elements also of, you know, the author's own story of faith in there as well, again, like that's not something you can really credit the movie with because every person I've talked to or any positive reviews I've read talk about how it's an amazing story, but they're not talking about the story in the movie as much as I think they think they are. They're talking about the wonderful picture of God's unfailing grace for his people regardless of what they do regardless of how far they run away how much they actively try and live against him how much they commit adultery against the lord he is still faithful that is beautiful and the few moments where that that sort of peeks through in the movie that's good stuff but that is maybe five to ten minutes of a two hour yes. five minute runtime plus 15 minutes of opening and closing credits like and i cannot fully give the movie credit for that and there's some nice sort of movie things throughout it where like like the locations they picked were nice some of the acting is really good almost in spite of the material yeah specifically abigail cohen who really is a great screen presence there's a scene where there's like a handful of scenes where should do something other than cry and get hit she's great like there's a scene where she's trying to get a dog stop following her there's a handful of scenes there's like a 5 minute sequence where she's on the farm learning to do farm things and I was like, "Yes, the movie has started. Yeah. If the rest of the movie is right. here, we have something." And then she just immediately ditches, which again, the poster,
0: there's the, so the poster of the movie is like, it's like two characters holding each other. But in the film, you find out it's actually them having sex on the field. Oh my which gosh. Is pretty funny.
1: Yeah. They're having sex on this poster.
0: I I, I yelled it. I yelled out loud. I pointed at the screen and I'm like, cat, that's the poster. And he's like, what? I'm like, they're having sex on the poster. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> but, oh my um, gosh. And it's crazy that but, is his own side conversation which we will but then, inevitably have to talk about but so i and i was like chance, that but.
0: scene happens and like they're like happy and then it shows her and this is the second time so it's comical it shows her putting the ring down on this table <laughs> and then leaving so i laughed because i was like it's just funny like there is it was it was a punchline the way it's edited the way it's set up the way the narrative's written like it was like everything was okay and then it's like, just kidding. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Like I, this movie has some strange editing, man. I feel like whoever was editing it recognized like we need, there needs to be more breathing room. There can't just be like this hard cut between like this really romantic scene. Like even the reason they're on the field is cause like it's, she's never enjoyed or noticed like things that are beautiful before. Cause she's always been so depressed and sad
1: and whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then she just leaves. <laughs> it's just so silly, dude. And
1: if uh. if you just brought the outline there again, there's some story because like she leaves three times uh, throughout the movie. The first time she leaves is because she doesn't think she's worthy of being loved. The second time she leaves is because she's scared of the love that she and um, Michael Hosea have. And the third time she leaves is because she just doesn't think she's good enough for him, particularly because she's incapable of having children because of something horrific that happened to her. And these, there's some thought there put to the structure and that I think it's probably a remnant of uh, Francine Rivers' stuff where these are – this this could form an interesting sort of story outline for somebody's struggle with God, right? Where someone who comes to the Lord and at first – they resist coming to God because they don't think they're worthy of God's love or forgiveness. And then once they get close to God, they're then afraid of God. They're afraid of his love or they're just so aware of how much they fall short of the glory of God. And then that causes them to pull away. And then later they just, they love God and they realize that God loves them, but there's something inside that says they're not worthy still. And they think that whatever, you know, there's something there, but again, the way it plays out in the movie it's, it's so handwritten and, and kind of weird. funny. Yeah. And yeah, occasionally it's just, yeah, it's awkward. There's one extremely awkward thing in the end of the movie. Um, and I think for the most part, there's two main things that are going to be sticking points for people. And I think the first is the actual level of content. To be clear, this is a PG 13 film. So if you have watched any remotely sensual drama in your life, if you watched seen The worse. Notebook,
0: another PG 13 film, <laughs> Uh, you've seen this movie, and actually, uh, this movie has more nudity, I think, than the Notebook. It the has Notebook has side boob, and I'm pretty yeah. sure you see her whole breast, but it's only like one scene. Whereas in this, it's like uh, it's there's extended it's sequences
1: where she is, for all intents and purposes, naked. However, she's also is an anime Disney princess, so her long bron- blonde locks are just like covering everything they,
0: it's called convenient censoring where things in the foreground just happen to cover whatever is considered like uh, an Austin favorite. Powers
1: gag. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I think it's worth mentioning and talking about a little bit where for different people, this will be different levels of comfortability. There is an argument that it is for accuracy. Cause yeah, if you showed up at brothel and Washington into process room, they're not going to be wearing like a three piece suit or something, you know, like <laughs> whatever. But, You know, for the in the context of the film, it it makes sense, but also given the but in the context of the meta
0: textual nature of the film, which is it's a biblical story, the audience is Christian based, it's PG thirteen, which almost exclusively, I'm sure, was picked because if they were rated R, it wouldn't get as big an audience and make as much money. Again, it wouldn't need to be rated R, but it's like it's it's targeting an audience, but then like. I, I really actually thought it was only going to be the one initial scene when Michael walks in. It's the first time he's going into the brothel, and then she's, like, naked. And it's censored uh, cleverly so they don't have to just do black bars or something silly. Or what is it in uh, Disney Plus when they censored – what's the movie, Swim or something, where it's <laughs> yes. Tom Hanks? Yeah. And, like, they just edited her hair to be longer to cover her butt. It's so funny-looking. But uh, that scene, she's naked kind of the whole time, Then she covers up whatever – but then like more of the movie goes on and like there's just more scenes where she's either naked or topless or it's visually sensual which isn't necessarily wrong all the time but it's weird in the context of the demographic and purpose of the film. Yeah, um, which is where I think when you're describing this marriage of sacred and secular it starts to come together where it's like something doesn't feel quite
1: yes. right. something feels a little off and this type of thing does not bother me. Like it, whatever. It's it's literally a movie where half the movie set a brothel. But why do they make the decision <laughs> to set half the movie at a brothel? And it, again, it feels like this thing where all of the producers of the film are Christian faith based companies, and Francie Rivers is has and a, a guy named group. Michael Scott. Is really? to do that? Oh, was yeah, a a guy, producer
0: Michael Scott and <laughs> David R. White.
1: Yeah, David R. White. it feels like they were like, Hey, we want to either. They were like, this has to be PG 13 and that was it. And he was like, okay. And so Caruso was like, did as much as he could with the comments, PG 13, or they were like, you can't, you can do this. You can't do this. Not understanding that like, maybe for the people on set, they're just trying to hit a limit because they're not thinking in terms of like moral or ethical. They're not thinking in terms of like, okay, as Christians, we feel like doing X, Y, and Z is inappropriate. So we're gonna do our best to, honor this we're gonna do our best to present people survey we're gonna do our best not to put stumbling blocks out there etc cetera, etc cetera. while somebody who's just been given like studio notes essentially is gonna be like okay the studio says we can and can't do this and they're just gonna work in those confines like again i don't have insider information or anything but that's what it feels like to me where somebody just said we're doing a christian movie so you can't do this you can show this you can't show this and he just did as much as he was allowed to do which comes off potentially kind of weird and then from there you get into some of the the events of the movie where it's almost christian misery porn at a certain point where yeah it's like okay you can just have her be a prostitute and then imply things in her backstory and it's the same story like you don't need to have it where her father actively hates her her mother died tragically of movie illness um a guy gets murdered in front of her And then, in an extremely bizarre sequence of events, they just do the twist from Old Boy in the middle of the movie. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, there is a scene where her her biological father shows the brothel. Knowingly, she gets him as a client, and when he finds out what he's done- he shoots himself, and this but it's happens like
0: immediately one after another. Yes, which no, is
1: why it was so funny to me. It's like it's <laughs> this insane, insane twist to throw in the middle of the movie. Uh, if I saw this in theaters, dude, <laughs> I would have gasped. I him. was, I was aghast. I could not believe what happened, and then it's and this never is brought after up.
0: They're implying that she's working as a prostitute as a child. And it builds yes, up into which, this climax of having sex with their dad. And it's
1: just You could do weird. that. Because that's the thing that happens. Like Women are sold into the into the sex industry all the time. And it's sad and it's tragic. Right.
0: You could do it. But it just is weird in
1: this movie. Well, but why did you add, and we're going to write this into the movie too. I, in your two hour and 14 minutes This might have been something that happened. It's crazy. I don't know anything about Francine Rivers. I don't know her story. I don't know her testimony. I don't know if she's drawing on personal time in her life and put that in the movie um if that is the case then you know praise god that he's brought her through this but just as someone who doesn't know anything about her and i doesn't know anything about anyone involved in the production of this movie it is a weird thing not just to include but to also completely never mention her touch again because it happens maybe 30 seconds of screen time total that this sequence takes place and then it's never brought up again. It's never reckoned with. It's just a thing that happens in a series of miserable things where uh, it, it, at one point she gets pregnant and they like forcibly, um am like before they like to have an abortion and make it where she can't have children anymore. She gets beaten horribly. She gets beaten by someone who works at the brothel when she asks for her money back so she can go and live her own life. And she gets, she gets punched by other women in a scene that, uncomfortably reminded me of a scene in Nicholas Cage Wickerman where he walks up to someone dressed in a bear costume and hits somebody. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that happens in this movie, basically, where two uh, other women just walk up <laughs> and punch her in the face as she's trying to get on a boat and leave. It's, it's just one miserable scene after another. It is not good if your movie makes you think of the Nicholas Cage Wickerman. <laughs> it's just that one, because it just, it just caught me so off guard. It's like, oh, geez. And then and it's just like why it was like, what?
0: <laughs> why is this? What's happening? And to get and... to the
1: editing of the movie, I didn't yeah. realize. I was like, is this a flashback? I can't tell. Like, I can't tell if this is a flashback or not because she's the same age. She's either a kid or the age she is currently throughout the entire movie. So there's actually a few scenes where I wasn't entirely sure if what I was seeing was, you know, timeline wise, supposed to be now or a few years ago. But it's all these miserable things over and over again, and it's presented so bluntly, but like. Neither artfully, but without or- tact,
0: like because it's tactless. I mentioned Andy yes. Damon earlier, but like Nicholas Winding Refn is a blunt, nasty, exploitative director. But because it's done with this like artistic flair of like knowingly, I don't know, presentable, it becomes more digestible. Plus, you know what you're getting because the movie's rated R, and you know it's it's him, so it's going to be really violent, wild. So it just, I, I really do think like what what's what's killing the film. The more we talk about it, is the fact that it's supposed to be this Christian targeted demographic. Fo- well, maybe it's a Christian targeted demographic movie since you said the trailer was like hidden Christian, like it wasn't overt spiritual. I don't know. Like, I
1: don't think they mentioned God or anything in the trailer at once. I see. I mean, it if you have a once. title
0: named Redeeming Love, my first thought
1: is Christian. Yes. Like
0: that it's, sounds it's, like. Coded,
1: like the Christian audience have, will know what it is, but and also, they'll know like, what and phrases and mean it. too. Because yeah. like
0: throughout the film, there are Christian phrases and stuff like that.
1: Well, also he like prays to God and Michael. Why yeah. don't you go
0: after her because of free will? It's like
1: what what? <laughs> Just go like. is <laughs> that She, not she a prophet. that's all like, you have to go to. Yeah, she refers like I guess the main antagonist film. She calls him the father of lies at one. point. Yeah,
0: like what? And it's like pizza gate. Oh, <laughs> is he the <laughs> <except> devil? Real? <laughs> it's yeah, stupid.
1: that's the scene that. <laughs> To, to jump ahead a little quick, because we're <laughs> um, uh, so the one twist that I actually thought was kind of interesting is the third time she leaves, she kind of briefly returns to the world where she's almost going to be like part of a burlesque show, but uh, she starts really and she prays, she's like God, like like if you're real, like please help me and this sort of thing, and she gets a vision of like her mother and tells her tell the truth, and she gets up on stage and she goes, this man is like a pervert he's you know he's a pedophile he has little girls and he's like what And everyone's just like aghast because i guess that's shocking revelation to them i guess it maybe wasn't as well known i don't know anything about like the history of that time period and prostitution but this, this is like seen as a horrible revelation and she rescues two girls so this idea and then later she runs like a home that's for women in her situation which is a great angle. It's the first time she has agency. It's the first time she's taking control of the situation. So you see an actual change in her as a person that indicates that she is being transformed and changed by God and by uh, Michael? And it's like, this is some good stuff. It, I wish there was more of this in the movie, but in that sequence where she escapes, she rescues two girls and she's walking out. A guy gets up and goes, Little girls, there are little girls. Everyone just freaking out, (laughs) and I was like, "Oh!" First off, the sequence of events is she gets on stage, gives this shocking revelation, then runs to the back, knocks a guy out, grabs these girls. So I guess the audience has just been sitting there going is another act coming on? What's happening? I paid 20 bucks. Like, where's right. the, rest of the show? Yeah. So I guess yeah. they're just waiting for us to the show because the guy also went on. Oh, that's not true. I don't, I'm not a pedophile. And then he runs out and like, everyone just starts freaking out. They're like, this is true. There are little girls. It's insane. So they chase down the father of lies. And, Im- <laughs> and at first I'm like, oh, so he's supposed to be a devil. We killed the CEO
0: of, of Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <got> I, <laughs> I guess this
1: the guy's the devil. And then, then just card cuts to him being hung. Like he's just hanging from a noose. I was like, oh, I guess that's over. I guess yes. they revealed that he's as the soon devil as it starts. It and ends. then yeah. it's over. It is again. It's like on paper. I could see how this scene could be powerful or whatever, but it's handled so like awkwardly that it doesn't hit the way it's supposed to. And the subsequent scenes are really nice. Like you see that she's teaching his women how to read and write. Um, uh, Upgrade shows up again for a few minutes of screen Upgrade. time. Right. And he's, <laughs> He's really good in this. It really highlights how not a great actor the Michael Hosea guy is because the 20 minutes this guy on the screen, not only is he just better, he has way more chemistry than Abigail Cohen. Like the scenes where, like, there's this earlier scene where he shows up and he realizes Michael is married, a prostitute, and he visibly doesn't like her. And the fact that she's wearing his Michael's sister slash his wife's old clothes, like he's disgusted by this. And when Michael leaves the scene, they have this awesome scene where they're like being snide at each other. He's like trying to like, like slut shame her. And she's like making all these like actually kind of like clever like comments. He's like, I, you know, I want to rip those clothes right off you. And she's like, Oh, I'm sure you would. And it's like, it's like sassy. And it's like they have some chemistry. And then the guy leaves the movie. But so then they have this other scene where they're making up for this, where he's, you know, cause also he like, in exchange for giving right back to the brothel like she has sex with him and so he has a scene where he's like asking her for forgiveness and he seems genuinely heartbroken by the person that he is and for how wrong he's misjudged her because he sees that she has changed and this is a really nice scene and again this is where this is a few moments where something they've added to the stew here actually enhances what they're trying to do We're in a more contemporary setting we're seeing a more Grounded, realistic uh, example of both redemption and forgiveness, and someone's life being transformed by someone loving someone in a Christ-like way. And it is one scene, and for me, it really, really works. And also the revelation because when she leaves the last time, she specifically leaves a note in her ring for another woman saying, please marry Michael, so he can have the children." He deserves he deserves you. And at first, she thinks when he talks about how like the woman has a family. Uh, upgrade because I can't remember the actor's name reveals that he has married her and those are his children and Michael is not remarried and he's been waiting for his whole time and it's like beautiful it's a great little scene and it's it's the only thing in the movie that I can like be like yeah that was really good and it's like maybe one it's five last scene minutes, yeah. it's in the last 10 minutes of the movie and then she comes home and again Abigail Cohen is just killing it in all these period level clothing she has like a little umbrella it's great and they come and they embrace and it's Lovely. And so, but But that's had to go through an hour and 50 minutes to get to that scene you liked. Even longer. It is, it is because it's the, they stopped just punching this poor woman in the face and they just let her have a character arc, which she doesn't have for most of the movie. It's really strange. Like, there's, again, there's a scene early on where she's on the farm and he's teaching her how to get eggs, he's teaching her how to chop wood. And there's like this really charming little moment where she's like, no, no, I can do it. I can do it. And she like tries to cut the wood with an ax. And then like, as she's falling backwards, she's like mumbling something about like, oh, that, that wood is just extra firm or something. And it's like a cute, like, this is something an awkward couple that doesn't really know each other would do. And then she immediately leaves with yeah. Logan Marshall Green. And it's just like, what? Why? Because th- they're more interested in having her be this archetypical harlot who gets punished for being a harlot and just needs to run back to this guy and who doesn't really do anything other than be super nice. And it's, that's two hours of the movie. I, I just, it's so befuddling everything about this to me. I don't know, but it's a weird movie. Obviously you don't like it. Is there other things?
0: (laughs) I do not like it. Uh, the, the things I do like are, yeah, the performances pretty much for the most part, fine. Uh, Tom Lewis' as Michael is okay for me. Uh, he's extremely
1: okay. It's, yeah. it's, I feel bad But he doesn't have so a hard. lot to do. No, he's just told to no smile character. and
0: be say, yeah. oh, shucks. <laughs> he plays <laughs> you know? Jesus from The Chosen. He just looks like he's going to cry at all times and he looks happy. Like that's It's
1: silly. Except – Except he's not because he he prays and it's a church and there's the Bible. So this man is also clearly not supposed. To, he's supposed to be just a regular guy. He's supposed to be Hosea. So you could just write this guy a character. You could give him flaws. You can make him get mad at people more. Yeah, you could give these people characters. They just choose not to. Sorry.
0: No, it's okay. It's weird. I this, this movie really, really draws it out of you.
1: Dude. It's weird. It's just so <laughs> weird. It's like, because it's like, there's nothing in it that's like really bad. That's the, because I was hoping it'd be funny bad, or there'd be something really problematic in it. The times
0: that it was funny bad to me is when I really stepped further back from the film to see it as like a film in reality as opposed to just like how we always engage movies, which is to be in their reality. But like the movie's not grimy enough to be fun, to be in its reality. Um, and it's not dramatic enough to get me engaged in the emotional, uh, reality. So I just was not connected to it. In fact, after the movie ended and and I was talking with Kat about it, um, Like, yeah, like you started with this. We're not prudes. We watch stuff that's pretty intense or violent. I think I have um, a bit more barriers to certain films than you do. Like even talking about this one, like I wasn't too sure about talking about something with forms of nudity in it. Um, But I also felt like it was interesting enough to talk about and worthwhile because it's a k- Christian film
1: um, to do. Wouldn't that be something where we, ch- we were like, we can't re- re- review this Christian film because of the obscene content. Because of the
0: obscene. <laughs> well, that's actually, I. that's kind of why we're doing it. Yeah. Um. Which, frankly, other Christian movies like God's Not Dead have obscene content. It's just not, as, not in the same way.
1: Uh, uh, obscenely funny, <laughs> if that's what
0: you mean. <laughs> Bazinga. Um, <laughs> but like... We were talking and I was like, so, so in terms of context for my own life, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since watching the Marvel Netflix shows cause they were taken off, but now they're back on and I'll get back to watching, uh, well, Punisher they, season they one next moved to
1: Disney plus they yes. moved
0: to Disney plus. Um, And while Iron Fist, yes, is the weakest, it has my favorite plot line, which is uh, the Meachams, Ward Meacham, and Joy Meacham, and Harold Meacham. You just, you I can't
1: love- go 15 minutes. That's something completely buck wild. <laughs> no.
0: know. No. What? You did Well, I texted you. It was like, Ward's great. And the you're like, favorite uh, thing uh, of the yeah. Marvel
1: Netflix shows is in Iron Fist. It's Ward. Must we it- include these hot takes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, well, it's 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 funnier because it's an Iron Fist. That's what makes it great. Because Iron, I I said this would be great if the if Ward was the protagonist and like Danny Rand was like the antagonist, ruining
1: everything. He's he's an annoying like roommate that like ruins his dates and eats his food. Yeah, Um, because
0: he's because it's true. But like (laughs) I, (laughs) but like Ward as this character goes through just the worst stuff, um, and like has great drama to the character and walks in on his dad carving up his face it's awesome and like all that's insane uh and extremely extremely graphic and then this movie also is insane with transgressive extreme content not extreme but like comparable hey, i don't want people to think that like we're hyping this up
1: like it's basic instinct or something no 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 no, no no no, not at all it's just within context you, of it being a faith yeah. film it's like, like if you've seen american horror story you've seen worse but
0: obviously my tolerance for like ex, ex, uh violence and uh the the insane and like um lack of human life or, or lack of human uh um Respect for human life. Like, I I can watch films where that's not (laughs) a thing in it at all at times. So, like, why is my tolerance for redeeming love so much lower? And I think it is because, like, first off, I I don't think the film is particularly great anyway. um, It doesn't earn the right to do these things. Yeah, it doesn't earn it. Uh, It's not a slow burn. It's immediate when it tries to be transgressive and violent. But it's also not clever enough to do that. Like, I feel like, what's, what's a satirical violent film i've seen that did that. oh dead alive we have to keep, can't get away from it every episode <laughs> but like the opening scene is like somebody getting his arms chopped off and <laughs> head chopped off and it's funny um, or like but it robocop immediately...
1: like a paul Verhoeven movie is <laughs> sure example. it immediately
0: yeah. tells you what the movie's about um in doing that whereas redeeming love never really lets me in on either a joke or lets me in on the drama to enjoy what's happening or to find like Like, for me, I was more frustrated that this actor had to be dunked in a water tank than the character enduring something horrible. Because for me, it's like, is it even worth the performance? Like, is this worth getting paid to do that for a film that's not particularly all that great? Same with uh, Burying Oneself, which there is a debate to be had about, like, well, if guys can be topless in public, why not women? Is it a form of sexuality or the way we sexualize each other? I mean, even... Uh, topless men in public was sort of like I think the 1930s is when like it became legal, and that's because men were like pining for it. Um, so even in terms of like modern social structures, it's new, quote unquote, in terms of the last 110 years, 100 years. It's
1: it, it's yeah, again, some of those things were like all of this that we're talking about. You could defend it from the point of view of like, well, but it's like telling this amazing redemptive story, and it's not. It's but, just not. <laughs> But like, did it need to be, do you, first of all, to, to see hours? this movie to get this story. It has been, it is based on a book, which you can read, which itself is based on the Bible, which you certainly should read. So the argument that like, well, if we didn't do this, there's no way, like the, what you need, like the movie needs to do something to kind of justify its own existence in that regard, where it's just like, it needs to tell the story in such a way that's so compelling or unique to the medium or unique to the movie itself that. You could say like, you know what, they did some borderline buck wild things, but they told such a compelling story that like makes people want to seek out this God that these characters have been talking about, or it makes someone who has similar experiences to what Abigail, uh, Cohen's Cohen's is experiencing that we have to sit there and go, you know what, like there's something to this. Like there's there, the overall package is, is so successful what it's doing that we simply must. You know, we simply must give it a pass for what it's doing. Unfortunately, it just doesn't feel that way. It feels like a kind of half-baked selection of it. it the fact that it's such a competently well-made like made f- film is part of what makes this so strange. Right. Like, gosh yes. darn it, this looks like the Old West. Like, I really appreciated the sets. I really appreciated uh, most of the performances. I liked the costumes a lot. Like, as somebody who just appreciates people kind of wearing fun outfits. Like that yes. was great that yeah. throughout the whole movie, they just keep putting all these different characters and fun period clothing and all like all this veneer of, of, of quality and, and craft. is just going into kind of this, what feels like a more intense lifetime movie with a little more scripture sprinkled on it is kind of what it felt like in the end. And so it's just like, why do we need this? And in one on the one hand, it is a step forward for faith-based films because it is much more tightly made than so many other Christian yes, films. I've yes, seen.
0: this is arguably a a, a fine, well made
1: movie. It is up there as I
0: can only imagine,
1: <laughs> in terms of pretty darn good Christian movies. Sure. But, not as
0: good as Case for Christ. Uh I thought that was yeah, much
1: better. <laughs> and and of course there's like borderline Christian films everyone throws out there. Like I know a lot of people who go to bat for like hacksaw ridge, you know. But sure. yeah, which is one of the most violent war movies I've ever seen, but it's, but it's just like, why do we need this? Is kind of my feeling of just it, after watching it, I'm like this, you could get the same experience a million other ways. There's a ton of other, you could just read like about Anne Lobert's story, you know, who does, um, I think, I think they're called hookers for Jesus, but she specifically does a ministry to sex workers where she helps bring them out of that world and that sort of thing. Um, like there's so many other ways you get the same story or you can just read the book of Hosea or you can just read the novel. This is based on, cause this is the other thing. Like if you read on paper and they like, and he took her and they made love. And as the sun set behind them, there's a level of your own engagement where you can choose how much you engage with that sentence. You can even skim over the words. You can imagine right. whatever you want versus right. just, it's just here on screen. Um, sex is undeniably part of this story. They cannot get out of it. She is a prostitute. And part of what you can do is you can contrast like when she has sex with him versus when she's had sex with all these other people. Because for the first time she's being tenderly loved in a edifying way. Yeah, I thought about that. I was like, there's definitely an artistic way to display the the kind of love
0: that's being expressed. Yes. The quote redeeming love. When she ends up sleeping with uh, Upgrade... um, (laughs) It's it's almost competitive. It's transactional. They look like they're unhappy. They look like they're unhappy. Um, there is a sense of like, and nobody liked it at the end anyway. It's just like she's like <laughs> seems she seems physically just, ill and regretful for what she's done, and he's just still half in the bag. So like whatever, but like yeah, um, yeah having some sort of display, visual display of um, uh, and it can be non uh, abrasive in terms of visual content to express. The difference in how this is like, I don't know, handled because like they show later that like when she has sex with Michael, like it zooms on the hands and they're like together. And I was like, hey, art, this is art. (laughs) They're showing that it's gentle and like they're together. Um, But then like. But
1: then they have a second sex scene. Yeah. Why? Why did you do that? (laughs) Yeah, I uh I don't know. <laughs> Why I, is that in the movie? Why is that in my Christian movie? You know, it's strange. Why did they do this? I don't I don't understand. It's- I was most surprised by the how touchy
0: feely they were with each other as actors, uh in this in my Christian movie, like in that kind of way. Like I thought that was a particularly strange choice. Uh like the We, I talked, was about okay. I, so we talked about convenient censoring, but literally one of the convenient censorings. Is Michael's hand on her <laughs> breast. <laughs> so it's I was like, what? It, but then like they're so stilted and locked. Expect. Like yeah. the actors were like the director's like, now don't move. Like you have to fall <laughs> onto the bed, but
1: you cannot like yeah. go. fix people will pull out of funding.
0: It's um it's silly. Uh it's strange. I don't know. I,
1: yeah, it again it feels there is there is an argument to be made where there can be there can be a Christian version of um, movies that display normal human sexual behavior. But and again, without I'm, it
0: being like object, uh, objectifying or lustful right. or even incurring lust upon
1: people like uh, it's, it's
0: possible. It's, yeah.
1: I, I, it's an, it's a weird line for, it's, it's a weird topic to talk about just because I, I don't know if we ever come to any sort of consensus as far as this uh, debate goes. Because some people argue for more permissiveness, some people argue for more restrict, be more restrictive. But because the one that you can't really tell, there's a lot of stories you really can't tell without addressing one of the most basic universal human experiences that exists, especially one in this such story where it plays such a strong role in her own journey and journey faith even in this story. So there has to be a way where you can display it. And I just don't know if they necessarily landed that like i don't know if it stuck the landing as far as that like goes because mm. there's a couple of things in this movie where i was actually a little surprised they went with it like there's a scene <laughs> there is in any other movie this would be just pure comedy and here's just comedy in like an awkward way where i just like i can't believe this is on screen where she's like trying to entice him and he initially is like nope we're not ready for that because you know they're not married yet it's weird. but like he's like we're not ready because she keeps trying no, to but rule, they quote, were married he just was saying like we're not ready for it Yes, because she's still in this mindset where she she's rewarding him for being a nice guy, and like there's a scene where like she sits on his lap and like grabs him, and it, I was just like right. whoa, <laughs> and he's right. like uh, uh-uh. and it was like you know in any other movie I wouldn't be bothered by it, but in this movie it was just it fell out of place. And then she's like seductively on the bed, and he like <laughs> runs into a lake and just starts taking a bath, cooling I off about it. it's silly, like I gotta take yeah. the dog for a walk. The dogs just like laying, there like half asleep. I was like, this is actually pretty funny. And I kind of wish we could watch stuff in this movie like this because it's just, it is weird, but it is comedy that purely comes out of the character dynamic. This isn't character someone dynamic.
0: writing. It's somewhat realistic in terms of like, if this is what these characters are going to do, let's actually watch them do things that they would do. But I feel like so much of the plot line removes agency from characters. And so they're not actually it's, able to be characters. They have yes. to do certain, like, there yes. really is no objective reason why Michael cannot go after Abigail uh I'm, I'm mixing up character names with actor names um uh, there's no reason why he couldn't just go after angel to like get her but he's like god why won't you let me and it's like what it's like are you a prophet now like i mean i guess Hosea was but like what's going yeah. on you could just go uh and then they name drop free will which was a cringe out of me and it's just silly and it's not because i don't it's, i i just think the phrase itself is dead it's it's you've been killed killed it it's over um but like it's just strange, and so like there's no character drama because there's so many like, like puppeteering things going on over these characters that prevents them
1: from being able to be
0: realized. Yeah, or they're like,
1: they're beholden to the source material to an extent. Like there's yes. only so far, but I would also contend that like, if you're already making like you already threw in the twist from Old Boy, you already added an hour of this poor woman being horribly mistreated. Why not? takes cut off 30 minutes of that stuff and put 30 more minutes of in, just conversation yeah of them getting to know each other like i don't why
0: they can't don't, they walk why can't the scene when like you brought up the farming scene when they're cutting weeds it, instead of making it so obvious of like you always got
1: to cut weeds or something well she it lampshades conversation it. conversation yeah, of she like lampshades that she's like oh could not so subtle huh yeah uh, and it's like it could have been a good
0: it. conversation of like him refining himself or like i love the imagery that's used in scripture to describe us as plants that like we're and it's consistent (laughs) it's like all the time we're trees we're plants we bear fruit like all that's wonderful and like i wish i think it's specifically in a western uh, culture that's suburbia or cities um you miss out on what makes that metaphor used in scripture so wonderful so like to put that in a film of like a character farming and that's that's why hidden life is so wonderful because there's so much farming Um, even in interviews with them like Terrence Malik apparently just would like run the camera and just be like okay farm so they're just farming for like 40 minutes in the hot sun and it's like because Malik doesn't know how to cut but um, he just like it like there's he I and, love uh, the interview
1: <laughs> where he talks about someone mentioned, he just becomes transfixed by the camera and I was like that's yeah. beautiful well
0: he'll like and he'll like whisper like little things of like go this way or move forward or move backward and it's very Quiet, but like it keeps going and going and going. Uh, so the kid the actors are literally just farming and tilling land. Oh, you want a dinner tonight after the shoot? Well, you just <laughs> you gotta farm. got uh, it. <laughs> <you> gotta earn <laughs> it. So, uh. like, um, and there's so much beauty to be had there that they end up not doing, like, cause to compare, I don't I don't think it's unreasonable to compare to hidden life because there's similar imagery and stuff going on, not the same plot at all, but like in terms of like spirituality like the work of uh, the work of maintaining one's faith and persevering to to believing in love is like tilling the garden and like you're um uh there's a part in this film briefly when Michael's uh using I don't know what the device is called he's plowing through the ground and it gets caught on a stone and like how that like Jutters the muscles, and you have to now let go and like you have to be- realign everything. Like, there's so much that goes into it. Um, that like the movie never, never slows down to like breathe. You and, know, it's and weird and process.
1: What's weird? This movie, yes, I know there's never really a scene where she, like at least to a like substantive extent, like just tells him her story. Like, there's yeah. never a scene with there's, that, like,
0: never happens.
1: He's like I know everything about you. You know, it's just like okay. And it would be great to
0: see him like struggle with that. Why isn't that the lack of intimacy?
1: Like, (laughs) I
0: don't like he's been patient in not having sex with anybody, and
1: she's uh
0: been working
1: sexually. allegedly thousands based on uh, Uh, based on a line. So like the idea
0: like that's some good drama to explore of like him resisting and waiting and, and stuff
1: like that. Drama where. Like I was really hoping that, because he's one of the higher build actors in the movie, that Logan Marshall Green would just be a character in the movie, and part of the drama is like their relationship withstanding scrutiny and people criticizing him. Like how can you how can you love her? How can you be faithful to her? She's been mm-hmm. so unfaithful, etc that's a movie, baby. <laughs> like that, I thought is, that was going to be drama. more of the film. Right. And me then, like, too. He's just like, go away.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. He throws a one right house.
1: cross and then it's over. And then, <laughs> and then they just leave. It's, I
0: want my dinner scene. Dang it. In my drama movie where they're all sitting together and it's before anything's been revealed. And we in like, the audience, what,
1: like it comes at night. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it comes at night or, <laughs> just... or hereditary, where yeah. they're like <laughs> sitting at the table, and like we as the audience are starting to go, Oh no, Upgrades had sex with with uh, Angel. Oh, before. like that, that seems to be like, place, but
1: they see sticks around,
0: and like, uh. and they don't know it yet. And like, it's just this gross dynamic of uh drama and Michael, who it would add more. Like, if you're gonna make a character a Gary Stew, you're gonna make them the perfect character. You then have to introduce forces against them, which there really isn't any. They're kind of angel, well, but then angels are the not f- there, so it doesn't matter. Well, so, the like, idea to is have- that
1: like angel, like her, the real antagonist is herself getting in the way of herself. But yes, like, sure, you could have done like a cool dual narrative thing, right? Where you you cut you cut back to him on the farm, just waiting for her while she does all these things, as opposed to just. She, She just leaves and the camera slash store movie stays with her. And we have no idea what Michael Hosea is doing.
0: How does he process it? Does he go visit the bar and he's noticing and eyeballing other women? And then he goes home and feels bad about it. Like that would be good character building in contrast to like how the two react to. Yeah their or, bodies and sexuality you know, and
1: things like that. Or if you just, if, or if he, if he has to be captain America the whole time, you can <laughs> do the job thing Or people come to him and are like, uh, yeah, man, it's time for you to move on. She left. And it's just like, no, she's my wife. I told you, you know, whatever. <laughs> and like, then like, and then like, you know, then when she comes back, it hits harder because, as far as I know, he's just T-posing off screen somewhere, <laughs> like waiting to
0: <laughs> yeah, waiting to yeah, activate yeah. again. You know, <laughs> like if I can no clip out the film, I'll see him just like <laughs> standing
1: there. <laughs> right, like uh, it's, but then like you could, because the argument for that is like no, because it's her story. Gosh darn it, it's it's her story overdoing those things. But it's just she just goes and does something bad, and then first time Michael shows up and just punches some people and she leaves. And then the other time she runs she starts at an orphanage off screen or whatever, you know, it's just like they weirdly fixate on all they, they can't stop fixating on the most sultry and lurid aspects of the story, which itself wouldn't be too bad if this was supposed to be like a you know, John Waters or David Cronenberg movie or something, <laughs> but Grand like House, yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's just, it, there's so much, there's so much obvious stuff you can do that it's extremely to so keep repeating the same thing over again it is it ba- it's baffling that none of that's on screen like why isn't there yeah why isn't there a scene where he where like they talk about everything she's gone through her life like is this that one thing at the end of the movie where she finally gives him her name because it's the one thing she could control it's the one thing she could keep to herself as everyone took so many other things from her which is a beautiful wonderful idea that is a heartbreaking detail that doesn't happen because it's not really mentioned throughout the movie like it should have been throughout there's one scene earlier where he's like what's your real name and she's just like "Ah, it doesn't matter my name's angel you know whatever and like what this could have been a recurring thing throughout the film or something and it's just intimacy and ownership could have been a recurring thing and it never really is yeah, because then it just I hard cuts an- to them like laughing, and giggling while while farming, and apparently everything's great. Yeah. And then it just cuts to her not happy again. You know, it's just- oh with music with music that
0: is modern music too, which I thought was really strange. I really like oh they should um, have like
1: bluegrass hymns and stuff, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, well they kind of do yeah. the one song in the middle, and I really like that. And movies where the music is in the setting and then becomes part of the film, I really enjoy. Uh, but they don't do that, and two times they just play modern country songs it's just really strange songs that can be about anything and frankly are about any spirituality (laughs) but because they Mm. play with four chords and Mm. it has the build-up it's a it's a christian song but uh yeah the film's really not i think there's an argument that some people who like the film would say it's a film about like um individual sovereignty and your own body uh being part of that and ownership and so like part of her exploring Part of her being her character as a prostitute is her like having ownership of herself um, in spite of the fact that other people are like owning her. Um, and then the film could be a transformation of like, no, but actually what I'm doing isn't ownership of myself. Um, it's like debasing myself Self-harm, or something. Basically. Self-harm, really? Yeah, because yeah. she's depressed. So it's like, I'll just do something that is nothing, uh, makes me think of nothing as most um sex addiction functions but like then it's just but then the movie really isn't about that because it's not exploring any of those details with any of the other characters. If it had been exploring that with other characters that would have been interesting. Um like did did upgrade have sex with her before or after his wife died? That would introduce a dynamic of drama to his character. Um that would also introduce a dynamic of like Uh, individual choices and and like self-sovereignty that kind of thing that like um is not introduced in the film and so it's just like it's like a collection of scenes put together that arguably make a film uh but it's just not um a particularly detailed or depthy film like i can't pick out details about it to 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 draw on a theme or anything that's substantial um I always make references and comparisons to whatever's going on in my life, and I'm playing, of course, the Arkham Knight game, and like there is a theme of in of multi- self multiplication of like the Batman and the Arkham Knight are basically the same characters solving their own different primary problems. There's a whole Joker thing about multiple Jokers going on, and so every little plot line is different versions. Even the side quest, the fact that Man Bat's finally in it, thank you Lord, um, is more Batman. Yeah, like this is great. Um, and so there's a consistent theme throughout used in every module within the media and then redeeming love. I know I compared it to wild, wild comparisons. So let's start comparing to Godfather next, but like um, there's no consistent. There's just not that in this film where each character is maybe a different module to represent the same concept. Um, if anything, it's just a different module for a Christian film to be a bit more, sexy like you said i think that's a sexy christian movie like that's just which is inherently funny to think yeah. um well I think <laughs> uh, it, next thing we'll get like i think it's a violent slasher you christian can't, movie and you can't it's blame. Like- you it. go
1: and watch this trailer they're marketing it it's very similar to the trailer for serenity actually which is funny because neither movie uh, is the yeah. movie that's in the trailer this but is
0: a video game <laughs> this is a video, yeah which
1: isn't a thing he says in the movie that's just what i say every time i watch the movie i know but that's um, what it
0: sounds like <laughs>
1: yeah it's but like they're marketing this it like a sexy a christian movie. sultry this is a sexy christian movie. <laughs> uh back to McConaughey watching trailers um <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's they're clearly marketing it as such but like like strip away everything for a second like this is supposed Ha-ha. to be a story okay. strip
0: away everything <laughs> okay right. it's, a, it's, a,
1: it's a classy show um <laughs> This is supposed to be a story about God's unfailing love for his people. This is supposed to be a story about despite how far we drift and how far we run away from God, he is still faithful and he still loves us. And it kind of succeeds at that in the most broadest sense that at the end of the movie, they're together as a couple. But like there are so many better ways to illustrate that through the actual character actions which it trips
0: over itself it
1: really trips over itself like so so hard just and like
0: just like angel the film is its own
1: enemy mm-hmm. yeah mm. that's true i yeah we could sit here and talk about all different ways because yeah it could be like well they had to do this this, and this because that's in the story and it cause that's in the trust me no text. movie
0: ever has to do certain things yeah there well, are yeah, so first, many things no, in this film yeah. that i was like this could have been shorter you could have trimmed this you could have cut that you could have <laughs> it's just it was wild, dude. I'd love yeah. to see the cutting room floor. What did not make it into this film?
1: One one detail Man that alive. I really, really hated that never brought up again is early in the movie when you see him praying. He's praying in a little chapel by himself. And I don't know if the implication is that he's the only faithful guy in town. If that's just a Baby. chapel, he built Because hundreds himself. of guys
0: are lining up to the brothel. I don't yeah, know. it's just there's
1: literally lined up outside going, whoo-hoo-ha, you know, waiting to see one person. When the movie started, I was just
0: surprised because <laughs> of how overt it was with all those details yeah but
1: which again that doesn't necessarily bother me but like it never comes again like i was like there should be a scene where like he takes her to the chapel and he teaches her how to pray or they read the bible together and maybe
0: one of the men who also is there praying is someone who was with her like, that could be interesting. Where's the broader dynamics of this film?
1: Or, yeah, or, you know what, just go full, full hog. They start sharing the gospel of the town, and the fact that this woman, who was once known as a prostitute, has been transformed by the love of God is a testimony to everyone in the town. That's something, baby, right?
0: Or... <laughs> or i've slept with your pastor or something crazy like that
1: <laughs> i mean i guess i don't think what this movie needs there, is are, more, two like, weird, there drama. are two sides there are two sides to
0: every coin <laughs> you're like i don't like the
1: fact that there's mild nudity but they should have more sex <laughs> in the movie Sismelman. well
0: <laughs> have some sort of theme this movie has nothing and so like if it wanted to maybe well there's no be drama a, for a it drama could be a there's period. very little drama right i mean it could have a period piece modern Exploration of sex problems in the church now, like that would be really interesting. But the I think that might be a little
1: out of the movie's grasp.
0: (laughs) To to be honest, well, the movie is out of its own grasp, but it's
1: just I I don't think more ambition is what the movie. I, I, if anything, I'm trying to I'm trying to lower the scope. Like, okay, like it doesn't need to be this grand multi-year because this movie actually takes place over like four years, which I like. That's a trope I like.
0: I think that's great if you're trying to work through drama if, character drama it's great
1: it, if we got more like extended because the thing like the bible doesn't specify how long these, these excursions are so like it could be a. it thing. had to
0: at least be 9 18 20 it had to be nine times three 27 had to be at least 27
1: months so like you could have a thing she's three kids <laughs> as she runs away right like th- each time she runs away it could take place over a longer period of time but like also the time they spend together can also be long. So it's like, so it makes sense because what we have is like a marriage that we actually don't know how long they're together. It doesn't seem like a lot of time. It's not a lot of screen time because they spend so little time together on screen, but the sequences where she's gone are 90% of the movie. Yes. So like it creates a sense where like they don't feel like a couple at all. And it's really bad yeah. for your romance drama movie. When the thing that doesn't really make any sense or work is the core of the film. You know? It's weird. It's, it's weird. Weird. What is this movie about? I just want to know what it's about. <laughs> it's about <laughs> redeeming. It's right there in the title. It's a redeeming it's love. It's not, though. <laughs> it's barely. I say it's successful. I'm saying that's what the movie I is know. in theory about. Is I know. This the- is a redeeming love. This <laughs> is. <laughs> doesn't he sound like matthew mcconaughey in the movie, though?
0: <laughs> no i don't i don't know i guess i haven't watched enough matthew mcconaughey to know well
1: it's, it sounds like he's doing an impression of like a good old boy which is inevitably kind of sounds like matthew mcconaughey i thought upgrade was just imitating every
0: character in walking dead because he was doing the head turns and stuff <laughs> so melvin
1: would you recommend redeeming love not at all
0: i i oh well i don't know i i recommend... <laughs> actually
1: kind of loved it
0: we <laughs> <laughs> keep talking i'll start liking it um which is not un- unheard of. There are fil- plenty of films I've seen. Both Panos Cosmatis movies did not like when I first saw them. And then I ended up falling in love with them. So whatever. Um, no, I don't know. I. By the time you've listened to this, which is liter- literally tomorrow, um, there's probably more better movies that have come out <laughs> in one day, I guess. Um I just watched it to kill twenty to kill some more time and have more stuff on the rank list. We watched it together because we didn't know what to do this week, and it's not like we both had time to run out to the movies, and this was on Peacock, so why not? Um if you're just curious, you might as well watch it. I think we were kind of expecting to have a subset discussion about David A. R. White. Like, what is his I don't think outlook? he was
1: very involved in this movie. I can't imagine. I, but I yeah. know he
0: does a lot of stuff with universal that's who distributes some of his films most of them um is it universal i think this is a universal yes yeah because it it's Peacons, that's why something so. yeah. got um so i i don't know i uh, there's not even really anything to learn about who's producing the movie because it seems like i don't know where eddie wood's faith is in this film but like uh it doesn't seem like anyone except for Francine rivers who probably wasn't even super involved in this film either
1: uh has some form of faith because it I doesn't would, breathe. through. I would like to hear her feeling on the movie. I'm actually kind of fascinated with how this movie came together. I would like to know more about it. Um, so the film isn't, I
0: don't know, horrible. It won't make you hate anything about the film itself. It's just confusing. And I don't know, like there's a scene towards the end where like, it's literally like neon demon where our protagonist is in one room hearing other girls being assaulted in the other room and in this film it's minors so it's like really 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 hard to watch at times and it's made harder because of itself um because there's plenty of films like we've mentioned that we've seen that are hard in terms of content and not nearly as difficult to engage so i don't know this movie's weird that's really all i could say <laughs> i just I don't know if I'd recommend it or don't recommend it. If you're like me and you're just trying to fill out a rank list, and you just want something else to be at the bottom, you could check this one out. But why bother? Yeah, it's it's a it's curiosity. Too long. That's no, don't watch it. It's two
1: hours and 14 minutes. It's too long. Yeah, I would say it's so, but it's so long that's hard to recommend it even as like a like a novelty because the i the whole premise the whole pitch of like this is a Christian film, but it is a little more sexually explicit than most Christian films but it's also kind of gets a pass because it's based on a biblical thing. Kind of is if you have a kind of, um, if you kind of have a strong stomach for that sort of thing and everything we've said just makes you kind of curious maybe, but it is, it's an investment of your time that I just don't know if it's worth it for what you would get out of it. So it makes it extremely hard for me to recommend even to like a faith based audience. Cause if, if all you've watched is christian faith-based entertainment this is definitely going to really really be more than what you're used to in terms of content like that's partially what's so interesting because one of the people i talked to someone who i specifically talked in person to somebody who watched this film and they watched it with like a group of like people from like church people who went to see it together and they mentioned they're like some people genuinely had difficulty watching some of the stuff in the movie and it's probably because this my assumption is that these are people who. They don't go to the movies a lot. They don't watch a lot of television shows like, you know, and so this is really radical compared to what they're used to. So, yeah, that would have been an interesting segment. Was there any thoughts, you know, from
0: like in broader terms, like how they felt about it? Like, cause I, 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 I saw on letterbox. Most people were upset with, um, they felt that the film was a cultural, uh, a Christian cultural response to like slut shaming and stuff um they were really upset with her lack of agency Um, i don't think they didn't like the idea of it they didn't like the idea of the protagonist saving her all the time and that she couldn't save herself um and i think some of that stuff is reasonable uh especially when looking more metatextually i mean even the fact that the ending is just pizzagate and it's just like like it's period piece pizzagate like that's just weird uh it's like hitting all these weird bait like like baselines of Christianity Christian culture, which I'd not which is not necessarily Christianity, that just feels strange to me. Um and People on Letterboxd were very aware of those things, uh, and that's why they're It's getting... a
1: weird thing just to kind of have in there that's not explored in any way. And it's not know? really,
0: like, like they set it up as an antagonist figure, and then like it's like an hour later, and then you see
1: them again in a flashback. Who's just there? That was hilarious. He's just always places she is, which, as a metaphor for the devil- Like, okay, that makes more sense, but he's also not. He's just a human being. Which would
0: have worked better if Arkham Knight reference again, if it was like Joker and it was just in her head. And like, they kind of do that with a nightmare scene where it's like the past is affecting her presently, which would make sense because that would at least build a theme of like, if you're trying to think about of redemption and yeah even killgrave and
1: and jessica jones kind of where he's almost like he's supernatural in nature yeah come
0: back angel like you just like you gotta do stuff like that um but they don't
1: really do that better job of exploring some of the themes
0: oh my god yeah i was trying to think (laughs) like whenever i watch christian films that aren't necessarily good i always think like what's something else that would be better in it's exploring those themes (laughs) to watch (laughs) jessica jones season one 100% one hundred percent better and
1: exploited. Way these more thieves. explicit, way more <laughs> <laughs> Yes. If this <laughs> <way> movie <laughs> was a little too much, then Man O oh Man. Yeah, it's it's strange that way. What was I say? Yeah, I don't think some of those I think some of those criticisms are kind of fair if you remove the everything in the movie where like the story that they're adapting, even as loose as it may be, is intrinsically that. It is about like a man is symbolizing you know god and israel so it's, it's you can't really divorce that from the story Correct. i think there's a better way to portray it and again by only focusing on those lurid details you inadvertently kind of step into that conversation like okay yeah it's a little little old-fashioned but i mean it's literally out of the old Testament. So I
0: I think the the problem with it being quote unquote old fashioned is that it doesn't have characters. She has no agency If she had drama and agency. Then that would have been great. Cause then he doesn't turn into the character that saves her. He turns into the foundation character. That's like, whenever she needs something or she wants to be better, she can return. And like, I think there was some implication of wanting to try to do that with him being like, I can't, I, I can't do it. Why God, why can't I go do, um, uh, she needs to come back. Uh, but like, because she doesn't come, like even the way they get married doesn't feel like her choice. She's like half beaten to death. It's like the only option to get out of here is to get married. Yeah. Um, and like, I didn't necessarily like that as a character choice or as a narrative choice. So like, I get that, but, but I was wasn't curious, optimal. Like, yeah yeah awesome uh, what a good one yeah, just say <laughs> There's that many things that were not optimal but what what about like did you hear much in terms of christian responses to it like you had that one
1: friend group who went to see if, it but like as is always the case with so the most faith-based movies except for one recent that have just been better like the aforementioned keys for christ and i can only imagine um in classic pure flicks tradition Critical reception percentage of Rotten Tomatoes, like 12. And then audience ratings, like a 95.
0: Because so, the Christian
1: review mob, which is just weird. Yeah. So Christians tend – I don't want to r- r- paint with too broad strokes here. But the, again, there tends to be this mentality of like, well, it's just being realistic. So that's the story you got to tell. But I think even in this case, I think it's not some, realistic. some people have <laughs> – some issues with with some of the, the material but like overall because the movie ends on the note it does it's pretty palatable to a lot of people because of that i i would again i would like to do a little more canvassing as far as this goes i'd also like to read read some other people's reviews i know um another christian movie podcast already did this movie so i would maybe like to listen to their uh review see Top what they theo. thought go check it out popcorn theology um I'd i'd want to i'd kind of be, I'd be very interested in hearing what their thoughts were and i don't know maybe maybe send them our episode see how they uh see how it matches up but yeah uh it's i mean we're still talking about the movie for all its faults we just can't we we're literally winding down but we find ourselves once again talking about this thing because it's such a it's so it's unique, and I think some of its uniqueness will help it stand out. Like it wouldn't surprise me if people were still talking about this movie years from now because it is such a anomaly. Did you see that
0: Christian movie with the side boobs in it? Well, Did you like, see it. It's just like, like that's
1: the movie. But like the whole thing with the agency is it's not just an agency; it's a character. She doesn't have one. Neither neither right. of the two main characters really are much of characters, so it's hard. Which to you could have. argue
0: is more objectifying to have a character who has no character be. More naked throughout the film.
1: She, yeah, because you you run into a thing where, purposefully or not, you just have a character who exists to get beaten up and then not get beaten up, which you know, which is like the big criticism of
0: like certain films with their female depiction, which is this woman dies naked in the slasher film. So like, why did you do that? Like, what was the purpose of that? What's the purpose of it other than some man gawking at the naked body of a woman and then triggering the sad fight or flight thing because she's also dead? Like, that's kind of this movie, but like that—that's probably why the first forty minutes is so so much more offensive and bothersome to me than other films can be because at least in those movies it's quicker, (laughs) it doesn't last forever. Yeah. Um, And then this one, it's like let's explore every form of violence against women. And then like, even when like the, there's the implied abortion scene, like my wife was just surprised. Cause it's sort of just out of nowhere. Yeah.
1: And it's it does not need to be, you could, for me, the line to when something becomes exploitive is when you can get the exact same like uh, response or results doing something another way. And you choose to do the way that is easier or just more shocking to me, that's when you kind of get into exploitive territory. And I think the movie... Again, I don't know the behind the scenes. I don't know what their intention was. But I think they've kind of drifted into a borderline exploitation. Where you just yeah. think you give horrible things to do to her, And why not do it? I Again, I don't the know. The first if,
0: Christian exploitation film.
1: <laughs> maybe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because I there's lots of other movies and television shows and stuff that have the same premise and setting that just aren't this. So, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 it's getting a lot of feelings and thoughts out of me though. So, I mean, that's something that's more than a lot of other movies you talked about.
0: It's more than some Marvel movies we've talked about, frankly. Yeah. So,
1: so Yeah it's just i i really think some of this comes down to the choice of director which i have nothing personal against this person or anything i just don't think they have the subtle touch that was necessary to handle the subject matter like i think just literally switching it up to uh, almost i don't know i don't say anyone but like finding somebody who can handle the subject matter in a more tasteful way would have really transformed the movie in a lot of ways i genuinely feel that way because yeah. the same person also did as a co-writer on, on the screenplay. So he had a, quite a bit of influence in a lot of what we saw on screen. So I think that would have really changed a lot. But I'm also just making assumptions. So Reco or no Recco? Uh, generally, no. But I think if, if you're really into Christian films, like as a curiosity, because I know some people just the same way they're really into like Juggalo culture or they're watching... <laughs> they're watching if you're a all those juggalo, it, let me tell you are you're watching love like you just can't stop watching all those direct-to-video bruce willis or john cusack films because or whatever like if you some people view christian pure flux type entertainment the same way this is up there not just in terms of like interesting choice of subject matter but also because like it is much more well made than a lot of those movies it's much more well made than all those bruce willis direct-to-video movies mm-hmm. 15 minutes of them um and but i also would say that it's I really can't recommend it over just reading the book, which I have not read, but I can assume is better or just reading story of Hosea. It's right there in the minor Prophets. Uh, Just go and check that out instead. So mostly no recommendation except for, you know who you are <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> to this person. Yes. You can't wait to watch it after listening to us babble about it for an hour and a half. It's or, definitely, or if you want to have to your own about. opinion, because you yes. have said a lot of strong opinions in this episode. So certainly, yes. If you will have a different experience watching it or you feel that way, I'm not going to stop you. I won't go and unplug everyone's device that they get Peacock on or anything. It's a free country, you know. Much like (laughs) Hosea letting Gomer go start a school where they teach women how to typewrite. I will (laughs) not. I will let you make that decision for yourself. I just wish they were named not
0: my children.
1: (laughs) Would have been great. (laughs) The one kid walks
0: out. Hey, Edward Nigma! <laughs> he,
1: <laughs> no, they, they stole have the name. one kid. Uh, also, there's so much stuff you could do. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, we, we need to stop talking. But I, I wish, <laughs> I wish they had a scene where they were like getting to know each other. And Michael Hosea was just like, "Oh, I come from a long family. You know, I'm the son of Beery, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz. <laughs>
0: <And just> like <laughs> You doing Lydia? Yeah, uh, that would have been <laughs> I great. I like,
1: Come on, where's, where's, where's? You know, Shane Black or whoever to do some punch up writing in there to get some jokes in the movie. Uh, what kind of recommendations
0: do you have for this episode? I oh boy,
1: boring. um, oh, ASMR, here we go again. Uh, as some of you may know, Hosea is in the Bible, uh, it is one of the minor prophets, and so I'm just going to recommend real quick two commentaries on the minor prophets that I quite really enjoy. The first is James Montgomery Boyce's uh the minor prophets volume one obviously you get volume two but volume one includes hosea uh i love james montgomery boyce he is one of the greatest commentators of all time his contributions as both a pastor and writer are sorely missed uh, i also believe i've recommended this before but it's an incredible budget commentary on the old testament uh but if you get the preacher's commentary volume 23 walter kaiser jr who's one of the foremost theologians when it comes to old testament stuff he also wrote like hard sayings of the bible and those sorts of books uh, he wrote one on all of the minor prophets so if these volumes are only like maybe 15 20 dollars uh, but in his case he get he he his packs a lot of punch for a relatively small uh commentary so i recommend uh those uh walter kaiser jr's minor prophets Actually, I think, sorry, I think volume 22 is the one that uh, has his stuff in it. But yeah, those are my recommendations for that. Uh, Also, I'll just throw this one in there too. I think uh, Peter Craig, his 12 prophets from the daily Bible study series is solid. Uh, I know that the daily study Bible series, uh, because the New Testament set is of course written by William Barclay. I know he's not everyone's favorite for a variety of reasons, but uh i actually really enjoyed this one and getting like finding a volume just like on hosea for example is like a fool's errand it's just extremely hard to do that because so many will just throw just all the minor prophets into one commentary because no one's gonna release a commentary in just like an eight chapter like small minor prophet on its own so i mean in general you could also just get like an old testament commentary that covers everything but uh what is your what is your recommendation melvin oh my gosh
0: uh dairy girls i said the second i saw uh man i'm gonna get her name right uh jamie Lee O'Donnell in in the movie i was like ah, oh, man i gotta get back to finishing that because i'm in season two it is so freaking funny um it's on netflix it's amazing uh it's coming coming back for season three soon uh so you have watched it no what <laughs> it's so funny it's so good i've been meaning to ask you about it because it's like it's great. It's so freaking good. Um, you may want to watch with subtitles because gosh darn it, these accents are thick and it's really, really tough sometimes. In fact, my, my parents love the show and they're going to rewatch it with subtitles because they want to get more jokes because sometimes it just goes right over their head. Um, it is just hilarious. Um, the premise is a bunch of uh, young girls and i think um i think it's a cousin the a guy they all go to an all-girls school including the guy um and they're in ireland uh and it's during the troubles it's a great backdrop for satire um they specifically don't like the guy cuz he's british it's great it's super super funny it's really coarse um it's never really inappropriate at all it's in terms of uh dialogue it could be but it is one of the funniest shows in the world. I um, mean, with the comparisons, um, Star Trek as a show all, is at its best when characters when the characters get into a situation where you go, "How is it possible that they get out of it?" Obviously, you know they get out of it because there's like seven more seasons of the show you're watching. Uh, Dairy Girls is the reverse where you're always going to question how did they get into this situation? <laughs> um, whatever the episode starts with, it is never, ever going to be how it ends. Um, it'll be referenced because the show always ties everything together. But like, as you keep watching, it just mounts up and up with like comedic situations and stuff. The first episode is just amazing. It's so funny. Um, 100% recommend it. Uh, great performances, great comedy. Uh, Cannot wait for another season, even though I'm still in season two, you got to check it out. So dairy girls, go watch it, go watch that instead of, instead of redeeming love. It is so much better. What's your, what's your fun recommendation, Dan?
1: Uh, First off, I have to uh, mention that the preacher's commentary uh, volume 22 is not written by Walter Kaiser. I do recommend volume 23, but uh, the same volume for the same set is good. It's Walter Kaiser did not author it. Apologies. Uh, so i'm recommending both of those but also uh for my quote-unquote fun recommendation although this is not very fun uh, i'm gonna recommend a book it is written by uh let me just make sure i get this it is in my native tongue but still the uh toshikazu kawaguchi um celebrated author in japan not necessarily made a huge blast in the states outside of just like book people Uh, However, he recently wrote a book called Before the Coffee Gets Cold, a novel, and you don't know this when you start reading it, but it's allegedly part of a series. The second book is supposed to uh, release soon, uh, less than a year from now. But Before the Coffee Gets Cold is this wonderful little book. It's sort of an anthology about a coffee shop where if you sit down at a particular table, order and drink coffee, you can briefly go back in time specifically to Another time previously in that coffee shop, and the only caveat is you have to get back before your coffee gets cold, or else be stuck. And so it's all these little vignettes and, and stories where people go back, and everyone has their own reason for uh, going, wanting to go back. And a lot of the characters of the various stories are characters you previously see in the other stories because they're all regulars at this coffee shop. It's a neat That's little cool. book. It's some of the stories in Japanese literature tends to be extremely melancholy and tug at your heartstrings and some of the stories in this book are sad i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, you know bury the lead here but it's it's such a unique book and it's really easy to read it's small and because of its anthology format it's pretty easy to get through and there's also a second volume coming out soon which i like i said it's well worth a read it's heartbreaking it makes you appreciate life it's beautiful And it's affecting in a way that not a lot of other recent books are. So that is my recommendation.
0: Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash doctrine. A special shout-out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Shirlian, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.